1: Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post-shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members, plus tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post-pay-per-view roundtables dating back to late 2004 also access to our full archives thousands of podcasts over 1500 back issues of the pro wrestling torch weekly newsletter that started it all add free access to our website and more check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com that's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign up form it's mobile friendly desktop friendly in two minutes you can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. If you shop at Amazon, I have a request. When you shop at Amazon, don't go to amazon.com. That sounds weird. How are you going to shop at Amazon if you don't go there? Well, don't go directly there. Start at pwtorch.com Amazon. That's pwtorch.com. Dot com slash Amazon. When you go there, there's a giant Amazon logo. Click on it. It takes you right to the Amazon homepage where you were heading anyways. But that small detour tells Amazon, we sent you there. And when they get that message, they send us a commission on everything that you buy. So it's a great way to support us without having to do anything different other than when you shop at Amazon, start at pwtorch.com slash Amazon. That's pwtorch.com slash Amazon. Thank you so much for your support.
2: plus now
1: pw torch and spreaker bring you the wade keller pro wrestling podcast it's time for wade's interview with one of pro wrestling's newsmakers When pro wrestling first caught my eye as a kid, when I was probably around nine years old, maybe eight, there was a uh, a, a not quite balding gentleman yet uh, with a mustache who held a microphone and interviewed all of these larger-than-life wrestlers who did not cut promos, because that wasn't a thing when I became a fan. Uh, The term promo was an interview. They were uh, interviewed by this gentleman. Mean Gene Okerland, who conveyed an everyman quality to himself with that proper intimidation and respect and at times camaraderie with these professional wrestlers, these tough athletes that he was interviewing about their next big fight. And his name was Gene Okerland. Jesse Ventura dubbed him Mean Gene Okerland. Hulk Hogan made that moniker even more famous. And uh, Gene was the face and the voice of my early years watching professional wrestling. Gene Okerlund had his best years, I would argue. Uh, He was most well-suited and a best fit uh, in his role in the AWA, where he spent the 70s and early 80s, the longest stretch of his career, the the largest body of work is by far what he did in the AWA, more than what he would later do for the WWF and WCW. But he is an icon. His death has received mainstream coverage that seems to be on the level of what, say, Dusty Rose received, which I thought was on the uh, higher end of expectations uh, for Dusty and also for Mean Gene. Uh, and and I'm, I'm saddened by his death. He's 76 years old, had uh, uh, kidney uh, replacement and and uh, health issues, um, where people who were around him recently kind of knew things things had turned into a struggle for him. Uh, but boy, did he live a uh, uh, a life of, of big big travels in, in the pro wrestling industry, hitting all three uh, of the big major brands. Uh, the AWA was part of the big three. It was the largest geographical territory from the 60s through the 80s, and then uh, jumped to the WWF when Vince McMahon paid, uh, paid a lot of people who worked for the AWA to come work for him at a time when he looked at that vast territory of the AWA as uh, a key to his success with national expansion. Uh, Jesse Ventura, Hulk Hogan, Doctor D, David Schultz, Bobby Heenan, uh, on and on. I mean, it was uh, the the wrestlers that he plucked from the AWA um, w- was a major major factor in his early success. And then he would go on to be uh, part of WCW during the Nitro years and giving WCW some of that that look and feel of familiarity to fans who had otherwise primarily watched the WWF and perceived that as a major league. So uh, Gene Oakland dead this week at age seventy six. And on today's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Interview Friday for January 4th, 2018, I am very pleased to be joined by someone who I think can speak better about Gene Okerlund than just about anybody when it comes to what he was like behind the scenes, and that is his understudy and replacement in the AWA, Killer Ken Resnick, as as he'd also be dubbed. Ken Resnick... Uh, worked under Mean Gene Okerlund in the AWA, and then when Gene left, he replaced him and became uh, the person who literally did what Gene Okerlund had done prior. Uh, Ken would eventually also go to the WWF, where Gene Okerlund was, although not for long. Gene was cutting back his schedule at the time that uh, Resnick arrived. Um, And so his career path uh, paralleled Mean Gene's, and he learned from him. So I'm looking forward to sharing with you all of... Ken's personal firsthand insights as someone who did the job Gene Okerlund did and got to know him on a professional and personal level. So after this break, we'll come back and talk with Ken about Gene. I do want to remind you that the Thursday flagship edition of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast dropped yesterday, Thursday, January 3rd, and a Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Greg Parks was my guest. And for about an hour and a half, we talked about the top 10 stories of 2018. Greg on Twitter said this was one of his favorite podcasts he had ever done, and we've done a lot together, and he's done a lot, a lot, a lot, hundreds and hundreds of podcasts without me. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of it, too. I think you'll really enjoy it. Greg and I each came up with our own top ten list, and we had some similarities at the top and then some differences as we got deeper into the top ten list. Also, we did another 40 minutes, if I remember right, uh, discussing our stories beyond the top ten. So, uh, you know, we didn't rank them necessarily 11 through 20, but what deserved honorable mention and why, why didn't some of these stories make the top 10 list, but what was their impact anyway? That was a VIP exclusive uh, after show uh, that was part of the Wade Keller hotline for VIP members uh, yesterday also. So um, if you aren't VIP and you want to go VIP, the place to find out more about VIP membership is pwtorchvipinfo.com pwtorchvipinfo.com, decades of archives dating back to the late 1980s, including retro radio shows from the 1990s, from uh, the early 90s, and and also the Attitude Era. Also, podcasts, uh, thousands and thousands of podcasts and hours of podcasts dating back to late 2004. That means every WWE pay-per-view since late 2004. I've hosted a post-pay-per-view roundtable And you can listen to some of your favorite and least favorite shows or march through them chronologically to hear what we said the night of the event when you go VIP on our ad-free VIP website, accessible on your smartphone and on desktop. Our new podcasts that drop every day, there are between two and six podcasts per day, generally speaking, that that are VIP-exclusive all available on our VIP podcast feed, which is compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android. And we walk you through it step-by-step with tutorials to help guide you if you're not uh, tech-savvy when it comes to subscribing to podcasts. Although if you're listening to us here, you will probably, probably be just fine. All right, so don't forget, keep checking out pwtorch.com this weekend. We'll have coverage of Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan's biggest annual show, and also TNA's Homecoming, Impact Wrestling's, I should say, Impact Wrestling's Homecoming event on Sunday night, plus everything else going on in the professional wrestling world. Check out pwtorch.com every day for news, flashbacks, editorials, TV reports, and more. Same thing if you're a fan of UFC and the larger MMA sport. Our sister brand is MMATorch.com. Check that out for daily updates. And PWPodcasts.com is your home for written recaps and analysis of pro wrestling personality-hosted podcasts. For the latest long-form summaries and analysis and highlights of podcasts that you might not have had a chance to listen to yet, or maybe you just listened to one and you want to see what our reviewers had to say about it, check it out, PWPodcasts.com. All right, so right after this, Ken Resnick joins me. I'm excited about this. Uh, Really looking forward to you getting to hear these stories that Ken shares about me and Gene Oakland.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. Chumba. that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All
1: right, Ken Resnick now joins me. He is a veteran AWA and WWF announcer. Uh, Ken, good to have you back on the podcast today.
3: My pleasure, Wade. Good to talk to you. I I just wish it was for a little better circumstances.
1: Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, make this a celebration of what uh, Gene Okerlund uh, meant to wrestling fans, but also uh, a realistic look at at what the man was like behind the scenes to work with. And there's almost like a lot of people are focused on obviously his WWF days. And uh, even hosting T N Tuesday Night Titans at the end of that show's run, and then WCW—that's natural. That's where he had the largest national audience. But you have a, a, a tremendous insight, first-person insight into Gene Okerlund in his uh, um, AWA days too, in the sense that you were his replacement. You had to fill some pretty big shoes when Gene went to the WWF. So I guess my first question for you is: Is what was your first exposure to Gene? as a viewer, and talk about that a little bit, and then also your first interaction with him on a professional level.
3: Well, obviously, being from Minnesota like Gene was and living here, my first exposure as a wrestling fan and a viewer was watching him on the AWA. Um, And even back then, I mean, he brought... a a different look to, to the interviews. I mean, he, he was um, more involved himself as a personality and, and was fun to watch. And then my first time meeting him um, was when Vern hired me. I, I had been doing sports for an NBC affiliate uh and met Vern at a, actually a celebrity golf and tennis charity tournament and he called me later <clears throat> we had lunch and that's when he hired me. So I I was initially hired just to work with Gene, be in the office, kind of take some of the the interview load off of him because as you well know, in those days Every interview was market specific, unlike today. <clears throat> so, on an interview day, you sometimes would have, you know, 50 or 60 interviews you had to do. Um, so, I, it was very cordial. Uh, Gene tried to give me a, a lot of tips, and I kind of broke in doing some of the, the smaller markets. Um, And Gene was very good, you know, afterwards critiquing what I did and and giving me tips, but in a trying-to-be-very-helpful way. And then it was just a very short time later when he just told Vern he was done and was going to the WWF. So then all of a sudden I was the guy and, and doing all of them.
1: Uh, you had to. This is mostly about Gene, but I got to ask you this about you. Sure. Sure. That had to, and, and this is in a way uh, tangentially part uh, about Gene. That had to feel like big pressure. I, I know Gene had to feel big pressure replacing Marty O'Neill and uh, Gene was beloved. I was the, at the age where Gene was. I wasn't the the adult who missed Marty O'Neill and thought Gene was this over the top carnival barker, like some of the people of of the Marty O'Neill generation thought. He was my voice and face of the AWA. He was the guy who interacted brilliantly on interviews with the wrestlers. He's the one who made me beg my mom to take me to wrestling shows before <laughs> she she even could fathom doing such a thing um, and understood what this thing was all about. Uh, it, I, obviously, there's a, my generation then saw you show up and were like, who's this guy with a mustache? How, how did you <laughs> feel about that?
3: Um, you're right. There were huge shoes to fill, and yeah, I was still learning on the job and suddenly there was no more time for a learning curve, but I was so incredibly lucky that I had been around enough where I got such amazing help and guidance. Uh, I mean, just think about being able to learn from the likes of, of black Jack Lanza and Bobby Heenan and Nick Bockwinkle and The Crusher. Um, and luckily, I had been around enough <clears throat> where they were trying to help me, already knowing me and with my you know, best interests. And a- as a side note, <clears throat> I'm sure you're aware of the story, but you know, Gene was like an emergency replacement for Marty O'Neill when there was a SAG strike. And Marty O'Neill was a member of of SAG-AFTRA and couldn't be on-air talent. And they knew Gene a little bit. He was a a salesman at the old WTCN Channel 11 studios and, you know, had a great, you know, personality. And he was the emergency fill-in and, I mean, was, was a natural right from the start.
1: When, uh, when you were When Gene was giving you tips and, and you're working with him, what are some of the specific things that that you remember him helping you with, uh, in terms of the the pacing, the timing, um, not stealing the scene, but also looking like you were listening, which is such an art?
3: Um, well, a, a lot of it was more <clears throat> remember when, you're <clears throat> when when the talent is talking don't forget that you need to look at the camera. And even he had said, when guys are really good talkers, let them talk. When guys aren't so good, you're going to need to help them. And it, he, it, it really wasn't so much trying to shape me, but he would say, you know, on oh, in that interview, remember when this happened? Now, you, you kind of did this and think about how better it might have been if you had done that. Um, so it, it, it wasn't from a critical standpoint. And then really the, the, I mean, I, I knew it myself. And as you said, Gene was larger than life. And really the interviews when Gene was doing it became both about the wrestlers he was interviewing, and himself. And when he suddenly left, uh, the best advice I got came from Black Jack Lanza. And Jack said, look, you're following Gene, but don't be try and be Gene. You've got to be yourself and do it the way you would do it. And I had a chance and talked at length with Gene, with Blackjack, with Bobby, with Nick, and I knew that I didn't have the. Um, it, it wasn't my personality to over involve myself the, the way Gene did and kind of really took the interview process to, to a whole new level. And I kind of made up my mind that, especially with great talkers like Nick and and Bobby and the Crusher, that once they got going, unless they needed me to interject, I I was going to just let them go, that I always kind of had the philosophy when I took over that, I needed to make it all about the talent and my, I guess, way of of trying to differentiate myself a little bit from Gene was to be totally serious, focused, and again, this was during the, the Kayfabe era, to make it as legitimate and serious as... I could, and in fact, you know, eventually I kind of got away from it, but I use a philosophy, Wade, that when especially the big-name talent would kind of get on a roll, unless they would say something really over the top one way or another, I purposely tried to, to not react. Because I knew, and rightfully so, when I would watch interviews with Gene, I'm sure you did and the fans did, you would watch Gene as much as you did the wrestlers. So I tried to purposely not react as much to make sure the viewer kept their focus on the wrestler.
1: Remember, if you want an ad-free experience where the show just starts and flows without interruption, you can become a VIP member. Tons of perks come with VIP membership. With over 30 years of archives of over 1,500 back issues of the Persing Torch weekly newsletter, our podcast archives dating back to late 2004 when we started doing wrestling podcasting, hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including my KFAN show with over 100 episodes of live calls, journalist roundtables, interviews, breaking news, And more. It's an unmatched library of insider information and then new content every day, ad-free, with all of our free podcasts with ads and plugs removed for VIP members and then a ton of VIP podcasts throughout the week that outnumber the free ones by far, including this week's roundtable with Sean Radican, Rich Fan, Alan Cunahan, Alan Forel, and Todd Martin reacting in a long hour-and-a-half roundtable podcast that dropped on Tuesday this week to the All Elite Wrestling News. With Cody and the Bucks and the Jacksonville Jaguars and what that means, where it can go from here, and the story on the contracts from the wrestlers, uh, who's being signed and under what circumstances. And then also a full preview of Wrestle Kingdom. That's an example of what VIP members had waiting for them on New Year's Day afternoon. The Radican Worldwide breaking news, hour and a half analysis with four of the top analysts you'll hear anywhere breaking down those two major stories. So go VIP, PW Torch VIP Info. Dot com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. No more commercials on the Wade Keller post shows and podcasts. No more commercials on the PW daily casts, the live casts, and tons of other content. pwtorchvipinfo.com. Pay as little as $8.25 per month on average, $8.25 a month on average when you subscribe for a year or tries for a month for $9.99
2: Chumba chumbacasinocom No Forward, by law. Eighteen plus.
1: Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What you're saying, and, and it doesn't come across this way, but it could, in a different context, come across as criticism of Gene. For no,
3: not, uh, n- not at all. I, I, it, and I, I don't want anybody to think that it was just. I realized that I could never be Gene, and. if would, could never be as good as Gene in, 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 in his you know reactions and, and, and the way he could, you know pop in in an instant. And, and I didn't want to um, I, I guess for, for lack of anything, come across as kind of a poor man's gene. So uh, it, it, it would, it's in no way a criticism, if anything, it would be almost self-directed. I just knew, I could not be, or I don't know that anybody ever could, be as good as Gene was in the way Gene did the interviews. To cre- kind of create a little bit of my own persona, I just needed a, a differ, different overall philosophy as to how I was going to do it. But it, it's in no way. I, I mean, Gene... Uh, yeah, I, 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 to, to borrow the phrase we used to use with, with Bret Hart, you know, Gene, it, 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 the best there was and the best there ever will be.
1: Yes, and and that's the, the recognition that you had is Gene's personality and charisma um, and timing was in a category unto itself. And the rules you described for yourself are... I think the the default rules should be the default rules for any interviewer, and and we've seen interviewers overreact to moments. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, Sean Mooney did a lot of interviews for WWF with a lot of over the top characters, and you know, it's like you have to be the straight man and let them. Be you, you being the straight man allows them to stand out more, and regardless of you know you said the kayfabe era, I think it it is. I didn't think wrestling was one hundred percent real watching you, so I think it's overblown. People who are younger than us thinking everybody who watched in the mid eighties or early eighties or whatever thought wrestling was real. We didn't, but when we watched wrestling, they made us believe it was real, and I think that rule should apply today, despite the accessibility yeah, it, of information.
3: It, it, and I agree with you completely, <laughs> and when sometimes people will stop me or I'll get into a conversation, I I tried, I, I, I mean, you didn't talk about it, but most people were like you, even back in the k Fabe era, that this isn't real, but even you didn't know how much was real and how much wasn't real. And I tried to uh, approach it, It's like if you go to a a movie, and uh, certainly the the legions of of fans to the Star Wars franchise, when they walk in and sit down in the theater, they know it's not real. But for the two or two and a half hours, they want to be so immersed in it that they believe for that time frame it's real, or, or I guess more so, don't think about the fact that it's not real. And and that's how I kind of likened my job is during the time you're watching my portion, whether it was play-by-play or, or interviews, I wanted the viewer not to think about the fact it might not be real.
1: Exactly. And, and Gene and his approach, which was different, also didn't do anything to make it not seem real, but he had that... That he was in that 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 special place that no other interviewer that I can think of occupied, which was being able to be a personality and and knowing it and not holding back on it, but also knowing where that line was. I would say he was more artful, and his peak years, just like Bobby Heenan, uh, were in the AWA. And and I actually thought in the WWF, and this is Vince, this is a, a Vince McMahon tone of the era, not Mean Gene, you know, deciding or losing his, his uh, the sweet spot that he found in the AWA. But I think that uh, that Gene's peak work, where he found that sweet spot to be a personality without taking away from the, the wrestlers, was rare territory that few interviewers have had, and it was in the AWA that he occupied it.
3: Uh, I I would agree on both counts Um, and and part of it being behind the scenes I think was a product of Vern Gagne knowing how good Gene was and pretty much left him alone to, to do it as only he could and I think as what you are alluding to, Wade, may have happened once he went to the WWF, back at least in those days, Vince was involved in every aspect. And, and part of what you are talking about may have occurred because Vince still wanted it done a certain way. And it, it, like in, in any aspect of, of any job, if you would normally do it all your way and suddenly your boss says, well, yeah, that's fine, but I also want you to do it this way, you kind of you know lose some of your focus in that you have to be focused on not only your way, but how someone else wants it to be.
1: Well, I want to go back uh, to the AWA and then move forward to uh, WWF afterwards with, sure. and explore that in a little more detail. Um, sure. when, when you were um, observing Gene, we saw what was on air. What was off air? Um, a, a paint a picture for for me and the listeners of, of did Gene just sort of shut down and, and sit on a chair and wait for the next, you know, when, when they take a break, for instance, or in between interviews if you're waiting for a wrestler? Or was he gregarious and engaging or was he um, looking at notes or asking a lot of questions? Like paint the picture of what that kind of uh, a promo day or interview day was like.
3: Oh, Gene w- was more <clears throat> towards the gregarious interacting you know with 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 all the wrestlers and <laughs> telling stories and laughing but at at the same time <clears throat> understand there wasn't a lot of that downtime because you know market specific there were a lot of interviews that that had to get done <clears throat> you know uh nowadays um they they don't really do the the, the stand up interviews anymore, but even the ones they do are are national. Uh, where far more so, in fact, I, I think my record in uh, WWF was one day at, at the Meadowlands. We did a hundred and eleven interviews. Uh, but with the AWA, you know, you still had to do separate interviews for the, the Twin Cities, for La Crosse, for Eau Claire, for Winnipeg, for Chicago, for Milwaukee, for Denver, for Salt Lake. So there was a lot of interviews. So it wasn't like, you know, you do an interview and then have 10 minutes to kind of BS with everybody. You know, you do an interview, and it was kind of like, what's next? You know, okay, well, you know, what's the date, what's the card? and you'd want to get right to the next interview. So there wasn't a whole lot of downtime. We generally would start at like 9 in the morning. Um, When I came on board, we were doing them out at the old uh, Channel 9 KMSP studios, which doesn't exist anymore. And then we'd go to about 11.45 or noon, and then everybody would kind of go their several ways for lunch. And then we'd come back at 1.30 and and start doing them again until and, and they got done. So there, it, it was. He was gregarious, interacted with everyone, but everyone was pretty much focused on the on the next interview because the bottom line for the the production people, uh, for you know studio time for the talent, uh, everyone. The sooner we got done, the sooner everybody could go home. So there wasn't a, a, a it was more yeah. focused than downtime.
1: Uh, Absent, yes.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: 18 plus. So, um, talk about the dynamic with Gene and the wrestlers he worked with. A lot of people, like I I think people talk about David Letterman and Paul Schaefer, like never talked off air. Their interaction was red lights on, cameras rolling. They seem like best friends, but to keep it fresh, um, they didn't talk. Different circumstance in wrestling interviews, obviously. Um, Oh, absolutely. But but how much?
3: 180 degrees.
1: Yeah. So, talk about Gene and the wrestlers um, at work and when they would clock out, like what? how, how much was Gene one of the boys, so to speak?
3: Uh, every bit of. Uh, you know, he'd been there, it was accepted, and, you know, down the road, uh, so was I. But it, it, it just it takes a while, um, I guess, to, to pay your dues, you know, earn your bones, Um And because Gene had been there for quite a while and established himself, I mean, he was very much one of the boys. There was no, you know, kayfabing, you know, anything like that. There there was some of that um, when I first started. Um, But gradually after, you know, Gene left, I I think all the guys knew I, I was there to make them look as good as could be. You know, there were times, sometimes when, um, at least with maybe lesser talent, Gene, not purposefully, but just Gene being Gene, would almost overshadow a wrestler on an interview, and that was never my way. So you know, after a while, I was accepted as as one of the boys as
1: well. Did uh, did wrestlers? Seek. I'm trying to think how to how to phrase this because I have an idea in my head. Like seek Gene's endorsement or approval on or off air in any way. Like where, I mean, again, I'll use I'll use a dated talk show reference. Johnny Carson calling a comedian over to the desk after the stand up was like this big endorsement. Was there anything sure. with, with Gene? Just did. Uh, what I'm trying to get at is, did wrestlers seek compliments from him on their interviews, or did it sort of stop short of that? Gene had his role. He was good at it. But there was still a hierarchy in that day, which is not you're just an announcer, but you're an announcer, and you do your job, we do ours. And I'm not really looking for, quote, your approval.
3: Um, there, there wasn't a hierarchy in involving Gene. And, and I don't think um, the wrestlers, you know, would seek his approval. Because unlike you know your reference to the the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Gene or I didn't lay out the interviews or decide who was going to be interviewed. That was pretty much done in the AWA by you know Vern and Greg. So there was no real avenue um, whether it, for someone to try and ingratiate themselves to Gene thinking, you know, I'll get more interviews this way. So the, there, there wasn't the opportunity for Gene to, because, you know, he genuinely liked someone or had a great relationship, a way to create, like, more interview time. Because when, when we would get there, the interviews were always laid out.
1: Was there anybody that you remember Gene not having chemistry with, either surprisingly only on air or even maybe tension off air? Where you're like, okay, you know, Gene's going to hold back a little bit, or or you know, he's just going to kind of play, you know, play it more straight, let him say their thing, and move on. Because obviously, Gene had chemistry with Hulk Hogan and enjoyed playing off of. I think Jesse Ventura. Um, and, oh, and you know, so, you
3: know, it yeah. was it was Jesse that in an interview came up with the name mean gene yes Uh, a lot of people thought it was hulk yep but it was jesse that had named him mean gene and then hulk picked up the mantra um and i've always yeah just in the back of my mind taken pride in you know, moving forward, you know, I was the only one that really Hulk gave a name to that. I mean, people still, fans, still refer to me as, as Killer Ken, which <laughs> Hulk just came up with on his own one day. And I think it was that, you know, Gene, uh, Hulk, I got along great with Hulk. Um, And it was Hulk's way of kind of, I I think, putting me over, uh, but almost the exact opposite of of what you were talking to with wrestlers trying to gain approval from Gene. It was almost by doing that, Hulk was giving me his stamp of approval.
1: I I think, you know, the AWA in that era has a reputation for just being a great promo era, a great interview era. They weren't even, promo wasn't a word that really was utilized back then, I don't think. Right, yep. Ken? No, no,
3: no, it was uh, just an interview.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, and I like that. It's it's it is it's describing what, it, not a wrestler with a microphone doing a, a monologue, which is kind of a promo. It's an interview, and there's someone holding a microphone and asking questions and leading things in a certain direction and reacting. And I, I, how much, I mean, I it pre, the, the great promos predated Gene being the main guy holding the microphone and, and asking the questions, but part of that era being so good, and I, I would put it above any other interview territory, and I know Ric Flair and Jim Cornette um, and, and a number of others in that, Dusty Rhodes in that era had, were, were just fantastic. You throw Roddy Piper, early Roddy Piper in in Georgia, but I just think the, the AWA is is unmatched. I think it's number one, and, and I do think Gene was absolutely a part of that, and again, Marty O'Neil loyalists will push back a little bit, uh, but I think Gene's chemistry and playing off the wrestlers like he did, and being being meek or not, meek's not the wrong. Right, he actually wasn't meek, but he knew physically he wasn't supposed to act like he he wanted to act like he was intimidated by the wrestlers, but he also held his ground. Um, and knew when to push back because he know he knew the promoters had his back, and if wrestlers did anything physically to him, um, that there'd be hell to pay. And he, he again, that was another line that he walked, where wrestlers were intimidating, but he didn't just cower in the presence of the heels when they bullied him, picked on him, or maybe even slightly implied physical intimidation.
3: Oh, I, I think you're right. And again, it's what I talked about. He and and, and that's something you you, you can't really teach someone. I mean, just Gene just had that natural instinct about how to react to and, and play off. Um, you know, Marty O'Neill for the most part was even before, I mean, I was aware of him and watched him, but he was like the, the ultimate straight man. Um, all of, you know, Marty O'Neill to the wrestlers was like um, Ed McMahon to Johnny Carson. Once in a while, Ed would kind of, through what he said or his reactions, uh, almost be able to steal a scene or a bit from Johnny. But I don't think Marty O'Neill ever did that. He was the absolute Ultimate straight man um, to the wrestlers. And even though Gene was smaller than most uh, of the wrestlers, Marty O'Neill was even much smaller yet. So I don't think there was ever that kind of intimidation threat and i am not saying that in in with any bodily harm but within the body of the interview because marty o'neill was just even smaller than gene
0: with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time (gasps)
1: uh I it's such a, a sweet spot to hit again that, that I, I credit Gene with, which which is not acting like you're not intimidated, but and not being a uh but also not losing your dignity and your respect. And and he found that spot. I mean the Road Warriors pushed the limits in that regard. I mean they were so physically intimidating and when I think of you conducting interviews I mean the Road Warriors come to mind first and foremost. How did what Gene Taught you and observing Gene help you with some of your, some of the bigger names that you interviewed during your time in the AWA? And uh, are the Road Warriors on that list? And who else is?
3: Uh, I'll be honest. I had been there a, a very short time. And the Road Warriors, I don't know if they were in Japan, but when I first started, they weren't around. So, what, the the first interview i did with the road warriors i was intimidated as hell i'm sorry they were scary guys <laughs> and and more so because i didn't know them and you know as as we got to to know each other and uh, developed you know great friendships with you know mike and joe and paul it was different but that for there was no tip. That first interview, if I looked intimidated and a little scared, it was because I was. <laughs> I mean, that's they were. Great. Yeah, I mean that's that's the honest truth. And, and later on, I mean we we had some some great interviews together, <clears throat> but um, the that's the only wrestlers or talent that I can point to um, where I was at the very beginning interviewing them intimidated because of their size and characters. And the only other one that that comes to mind um, was I, and towards the end, I loved interviewing the Road Warriors. Um, the only person I h- hated to have to interview was Stan Hansen, <laughs> and, and, and not because of anything else, but when he would twirl around that cowbell, I can't tell you how many times I caught it in the shins. Yeah. So, the, the, And I mean, not because he was trying to do it purposefully, but that was... Every time it was like, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I'd say I got to wrestle, uh, interview Stan. And, oh, no. and his, I don't know. I mean, it got to the point I was thinking, I should really pick up some just cheap hockey shin guards uh, and
1: put them on. And of course, his excuse, which he would uh, make with a wry smile, was, well, I, I, I'm terribly nearsighted. I can't see what yeah. I'm doing. So it's, it's now, now it's your fault because I can't see. Um, <laughs> and I love Stan. I've hung out with him extensively oh, the last I, few I, years. I've
3: forever, but. Everyone said. It. I mean, he was the 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 nicest yes. guy. Yes. Uh, but boy, that cowbell was. <laughs> it mm. was like, oh God, that's <laughs> damn. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, all right. So the news breaks within the AWA that Gene has given his notice. Um, uh, you, you mentioned that earlier, but I, I mean, I know you talked about your feelings on that. What's the What's the mood in the company? Uh, among the wrestlers, like I, I know, a lot was going on at that kind, at that time, and I I don't have memorized in my head what where Gene fell and the order of people Vince uh, picked off, um, but it had it had to be a morale blow and a, and a kind of shake things up a little bit, even though you had been easing into that role.
3: Um, it it was uh, it, it was pretty sudden, uh, and I think people with in the a w a um it was almost uh, a foreshadowing um it was it it served notice in no uncertain terms that vince was coming right for verne uh, in in terms of um i i think some of the talent um secretly were happy because I think they thought, you know, they could follow him uh, to much greener pastures. But I, I think that was really, and again, I, I can't tell you, you know, the order, um, but obviously, you know, after Gene, uh, you know, Paul, Nick, I mean, uh, it, it, you could tell he was coming, uh, and and it was going to be a uh, to put it in I, I guess business terms, it was a hostile takeover.
1: <laughs> yes. So uh, talk about the the time between Gene leaving and then you going to the WWF and the circumstances of that, and and I I got to ask you to tell the mustache uh, shaving story again.
3: Uh, well, <clears throat> mine was a little different. <clears throat> in that Vince didn't hire me away. Uh, it was the, the final show I did for the AWA was, was, wrestle rock. And I just decided I was done, uh, you know, for a, a, a number of reasons. Um, so I told, uh, Mike Shields, who was then, you know, the, the producer that I was done and that was it. Uh, when I left uh, the Metrodome that night, I, I don't think I ever even went back to the office. Um, and I had talked to someone. It, it had been in the back of my mind. Uh, before I got into television, I had been a district sales manager for Chrysler Corporation, not dealerships, but for the corporation. Uh, And I had made inroads about going back to work for Chrysler. Um, And Jack Lanza had already left. Uh, Jack was working with Vince and was an agent, and I think involved in a lot of other things. Uh, And Jack and I, Jack also worked in the office in the AWA. So Jack and I had become very, very close. Uh, And it was the Monday night after Wrestle Rock. Jack was on the road, but called me at home just to find out, you know, what happened, what the finishes were, you know, how everything went. And we talked, and I kind of told him, you know, what had happened. And he said, well, anything else? Uh, I said, well, I quit. And he started laughing and didn't believe me. And I said, no, I'm done. And he was like, "You're kidding?" And I said, "No." And he knew a lot of the backstory. Um, and he said, "Well, what are you going to do?" And I said, "Well, I've already talked to him. Uh, you know, I think next week I'm going to get together, and I think there's a good chance I'm going to go back to work for Chrysler." And he said, "Well, when are you going to talk to him?" I said, "Next week." And he said, "Well, look, hold on. Let's talk when I get back to town. I'm coming in. I'll be back home tomorrow night." Uh, either Tuesday night or Wednesday night. I don't know if there was a day between. And he called me a night later, late, and he goes, what are you doing for breakfast tomorrow? And I said, nothing. He said, great. You know, he said, well, at breakfast I'll, I'll pick you up. And I, I said, well, I can meet you. He says, no, 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 I'll, p- I'll pick you up. He said, um, I'll pick you up at 6.15 uh, and wear a coat and tie. And I was like, "What? I, I, are you not six? I'm not getting up to breakfast with anybody at six o'clock in the morning." And he said, "I'll be. I'm picking you up at six fifteen. Wear a coat and tie because we're going out to see Vince." And I started laughing. I said, "Jack, I've seen you pull ribs. You don't really think I'm this dumb, do you?" And he goes, "Hang up." You call Northwest Airlines, ask them if there's not an already prepaid ticket for you on the 7:20 a.m. flight to LaGuardia, and which I did. There was. I called Jack back, and he said, "I told Vince you were available that you would quit, and he wants to see you." So we did. We flew out to uh, LaGuardia. So a lot of people think that. Vince, that I was another one that Vince came in and just hired away. And and that's not the case. And we got out to New York and they had a limo for us to take us up to Stanford. And when we got to the office, um, I kind of went through a a bit of an interview process, I think, if you will. Again, not knowing the order, but I met with uh, like Pat Patterson and Terry Garvin, uh, George Scott, Arnie Skolan, after each one, they'd take me back out to the lobby, then I'd go in and see the next one. And it, it was, however the order, it was like I think everyone gave their blessing and then uh, went to the next higher up. Uh, and I think the last one I talked to was Arnie Skolan. They took me back out, and then a while I got called into Vince's office, met Vince. And within the first you know, two, three minutes of, of, of meeting him, he kind of said, tell me about your mustache. And I was kind of like, uh, you know, I, well, it's above my lip, centered. I, I don't know what you want to know. You want to know when I grew it and everything. And he came right out and said, uh, just so you know, uh, and I even think he said, despite Gene, I hate facial hair. And and then he just stopped and looked at me and I said, well, I, I assume you're asking if everything else worked out, if if I would shave my mustache. And he said, would you? And I said, yeah, I would. And that was it. Never said a word. And we talked for probably another hour. <clears throat> he just stopped, looked at me for maybe 30 seconds, opened his top drawer pulled out a razor and a can of shaving cream and said, bathroom's right through that door. And I went in and shaved my mustache and came back into his office, and he just looked at me and he said, you showed me something that's important. You showed me you back up what you say. You'll start Saturday. And shaved it right in his office. You should have seen his secretary when I came out of oh, the office. Oh, that's a, funny. An hour or later, and suddenly you know, the mustache I had
1: was gone. <laughs>
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Uh, so, so you get there and Gene is there. Um, talk about how, how Gene seemed the same or different and how it was different with your dynamic at this point and how often you guys cross paths.
3: Um, he... He was fine and welcoming to me because it was understood, and I I think Gene had some things he needed to deal with, where he was going to start taking time off, you know, and and just kind of do more some of the pay per views and, and the bigger shows. So the, there was I, I I'm certain that. I had was hired and would not have been hired if Gene hadn't been aware and and was fine with it. So um, early on, I when I saw Gene, it, it was always warm, you know, welcoming. But because they were so big, and remember, in those days, um, we often ran two and sometimes. Three towns a night, so I would be working all the time. But m- in many instances, I might not even run into Gene for like two weeks.
1: When when you did uh, bump into Gene, oh well. First, is it is it okay to say like why Gene was cutting back? Was it was it was did he have other business things going on? Was it personal? Was it burnout?
3: Um, I, I think it was. Uh, personal and, you know, might have been a, a little burnout. And, and that's just just speculation on my part. Yeah. Because I know, like I, <clears throat> I said, one day we did 111 interviews. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was doing those where Gene was also doing, he inter- had cut back but was still doing a number of interviews. And so I can only imagine what it was like that year and a half on his own. Uh, and, you know, with all the towns, you know, when we did interviews, it was always a different city. It was in in advance of a house show. So basically you were on a plane going somewhere every day. So, you know, again, it, it, it's, it's, um I, I i think it was more either you know personal and or uh burnout because i mean that um forget the, anything else just flying and and you know <clears throat> hotel yeah. airport airplane hotel arena hotel airport day after day i mean that just wears on you uh on its own And you know, again, I I knew what my workload is when I got there, and Gene was still doing a fair amount. So I can only imagine what it must have been like. uh, I think in the year and a half, he he, and he was the only guy.
1: Yeah. Oh man. So, how much interaction, if, if any, did you have with Gene going forward? In the WWF, given your time there, and then his his part time gig, how much did you cross paths with him?
3: Well, like I said, not that much. Um, Oftentimes, it would just be, yeah, it could sometimes be two or or three weeks, and when we were in the same building or for the same show, there wasn't a, a lot of downtime where you could just kind of sit down and, and, and BS because when we would get to the arena, I would have this long list of things that, that I had to get done and taped That as would he, you know, in a different area with, and, and there were separate production crews. So, you know, I might be doing four or five, six hours in, in one area and he might be doing four or five in another area so we would see each other, you know, greet each other, talk for a little bit, sometimes talk about what was going on in, in the AWA, but th- there wasn't uh, th- there wasn't a lot of time for or there wasn't a lot of interaction, but it wasn't any sort of of you know, personal, it just, you know, okay, hey, all right, we're going to rotate in 5 minutes. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, so in other words, we, 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 could be under the same roof, but just working in, in, you know, different areas of the building. And then it was like anything else at the end of the night, everybody wanted to either get somewhere and have a drink or get back to their room and get some sleep.
1: When you looked at Gene's work in w, uh, on WWF television at that time. What was different about it for people who only saw him in the WWF and haven't, you know, didn't watch him in real time in the AWA or on YouTube or or WWE Network? What what was remarkably, if if anything, what was notably different about Gene uh, in the WWF uh, that you picked up on because it was your vocation also?
3: Um, I I think <clears throat> the, there was sometimes a little more overreaction to things um and, and I know it's a, a word you used and, and I'm I'm trying to think of a a different word but you know I, I I just can't come up with it but there was also a little bit more of a comedic tone To to some of the things, it it it's not the word. I I would I would like to use Wade, but I I just can't come up with any anything that was uh, analogous. That uh, there would be times where you would see an interview and you would kind of laugh, And, and I mean not you know laugh with not to um, make that clear, but in, in the AWA, that didn't occur. With AWA,
1: it was sell tickets, get the wrestler over, yeah. and right. if if it happened to be entertaining, which of course it always was, and I would argue more so, that was a side effect of doing things the right way. And I, I think in this, this applies just to WWF in general and Vince McMahon's approach to to the the pro wrestling product that a lot of people crave. Alternatives to, um, which, which is Vince thinks the entertainment isn't the selling of fights and getting wrestlers over in the in a sports like athlete. I want to win a fight. Way it's let's amplify the quirky aspects of their personality and have the interviewer ham it up
3: more. Well, I I think the best way, and, and I agree, the best way to phrase it in the AWA, it was. All about the house shows. And the Hour of All Star Wrestling <clears throat> was viewed, its only purpose was to sell tickets for the house show. I mean, back when Gene was there, when I was there, the, you know, there wasn't the secondary merchandising either, it was strictly solely about selling tickets. And when I got to the WWF and when Gene ahead of me, even then, Vince, it was about not only selling tickets, but it was also about producing an entertaining television show. That was never, I don't think, a thought process in the AWA. But in the WWF, it was about selling tickets, building up the characters that getting to the point where even if you weren't a wrestling fan, you wanted to come see some of these larger than life personalities in, in person. But it was also about creating an entertaining hour of television not unlike a, a sitcom or a drama. And I think that's where a lot of the overreaction and, and you know, comedic turn came into place because not only did Vince want the, the wrestling and the characters and everything else, he was also focused on producing entertaining television.
1: How, how much interaction did you have with Gene in subsequent years? Um, it, it, did you ever have lunch with him again, or bump into him at a at a Hall of Fame or a ceremony or an indie um, show I, or anything about town?
3: I, I I would bump into him, you know, some when he, he was back in Minnesota sometime, and it was you know it was always uh, very warm and great. I mean, I I liked Gene. I mean, as I put a, on Facebook, I I was just So sad to learn, but I I was aware he was battling health issues. I mean, he had had three uh, kidney transplants uh, and I had heard at um, some appearance where he had been in in a wheelchair, so I knew he was battling um, health issues, but um, I never, ever had any sort of interaction with Gene, be it, you know, AWA, WWF, uh, post WWF, uh, that was not, you know, warm and sincere. You know, Gene w- was a, a, a great guy, uh, whether it was at, you know, some charity thing or event or just happenstance. You know, he'd always greet me. We would talk, you know, how you doing? What are you up to? Um, so, I, you know, I didn't see him all that much. I didn't, you know, hang out with him. It, it, we never, like, said, hey, let's go have lunch. But it, it was always great when we had a chance to, whether it was some event that brought us together or just, you know, happenstance, you know, being in town.
1: So uh, I'll close with this. Is there uh, a story about Gene, um, probably from the AWA days, that my questioning didn't bring out of you? You know, like, that that didn't get brought up that helps paint a picture of who he was for people who, who want to know more about him or just want to have a funny story to tell others?
3: Um,
2: <clears throat>
3: nothing comes to mind, but Gene was... <clears throat> in real life, Gene was probably closer to the gene people saw on TV than most people would have thought, if, if, if that m- makes
1: sense. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh,
3: and the, 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 the one thing his passing um, brought to mind, in fact, I first found out I got a text from from someone I think you know well, uh, Ed Hellier, Um, you know from Steel Domain Wrestling, you know here here in the 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 Twin Cities. Um, He had sent me a text and he said, "Do you know anything about Gene Okerlund passing away?" And you know I hadn't been on social media, but my phone went off with a text, and it was like, you know, I just sent him back. No, I I haven't heard anything. Is it you know for real? And then I went on social media and saw that the people posting it that it was true. Uh, and then I Ed and I texted you know a, a couple times, um, and you know I no Ed interacted with Gene. I mean. As you know, I mean, what an amazing job Ed does. I mean, Steel Domain as an independent here in the Twin Cities is now in its 20th year. Um, But the one thing, you know, when we were texting back, and I I kind of realized that looking at a lot of the the pictures that people have sent me over the years and, and through social media, that the majority of the wrestling. Pictures I have. In a lot of them, I'm the only one still alive.
1: Wow! Yeah,
3: I I mean, if you think you know, with with Gene and and Kurt, uh, Roddy Piper, the Macho Man, Nick Bonwinkle, Bobby Heenan, Crusher, Mad Dog. I mean, literally, you know, Andre. I'll, I I look at the pictures. Bruiser Brody. I look at a lot of Jerry Blackwell, a lot of the pictures I have. The, you know, uh... Buddy Roberts, Terry Gordy, Hawk. Uh, it was like I'm the only one still left alive in, in these. <laughs> As I texted to Ed, Ed Eller, it was like, you know, maybe I better stop buying green bananas. I mean, uh, um, uh-huh. and uh, a lot of it, you know, is just the the wear and tear. The the business uh, took, but it was. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it was. Gene was just still like Hulk. Um, back in the 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 glory days, I guess you can call it, mm-hmm. of where it was still you know wrestle more wrestling than than sports entertainment uh, was, you know, was just. One of the the huge, bigger than life characters, and you know, I, I'm thinking back. Really, from that time, Hulk is really the only larger than life one still with
1: us. Wow. Well, uh, uh, on that, Wait, s- Wade, we're we're <laughs> getting old, bud. Uh, on that somber note, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, I I saw Eddie Sharkey and Ed Heller actually at the uh, NXT show um a couple a few weekends back and, and Eddie was like yeah yeah wait I'm I'm going to go back in the locker room but everybody I know is dead and I'll probably be next it was good seeing you <laughs> and i was yeah. like great Eddie thanks <laughs> that's um, but you
3: know I, was, I mean you know when, when you when you reminisce and again you know from from Eddie's career when you reminisce about your time, you know, in the business in, in the heyday, a lot of your friends are just are no longer here. Yeah. Um, and you know, you and, and and the problem is that everybody gets scattered so you just don't get a chance to to see them that often. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's 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 a yeah I I guess thinking back and maybe to get a little more uplifting, geez, Um the one thing where I, I I think about Gene and in in his time and, and my time, everything we did was, we didn't rehearse anything. It would be like you know I you know you got anything you want to do no I'll follow you and you just winged it and when you watch so much of, of certainly you know WWF WWE now it it's so precise yeah. and scripted that. Some of the the well, they don't really do interviews per se anymore, but even you know what they do in the ring, you can tell it, 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 it's so scripted that a lot of the passion is, is out of it, where talent is trying so hard to remember what they're supposed to say, when they're supposed to say it, how they're supposed to say it. And I think that's one of the reasons that you don't see the real larger-than-life characters emerging anymore. WWE certainly has, you know, they're great stars, but do any of them really reach the the status of, of a... Hulk Hogan, or Roddy Roddy Piper, or a Macho Man, you know Randy Savage, or uh, <clears throat> George the Animal, or even in, in a, a, a different way, but the the status of a of a, a Bobby Heenan, or a, or their Crusher, or the Nick Bockwinkel, because they were allowed to create and embrace their and develop their own characters. And now, you know, I, I think it's more talent writers that are telling people, this is how you, we, we want it done.
1: Well, I think pro wrestling at its best and worst is when it's more improv than scripted. And WWE and Vince McMahon specifically have chosen to not risk the bad, even if it's a small slice of, uh, compared to to it, pro wrestling at its best, to have a more controlled environment. And, yeah. you know, the live TV aspect of it and, you know, worrying about sponsors and network uh, executives yeah. and all that. They've made that calculated decision, but that lack of authenticity is, is a loss for uh, wrestling fans. And um, I, I think fans crave a sense that the wrestlers are watching are, yes, an amplified slice of who they really are, but nevertheless, uh, part of who they really are. And, and that's, that is what the, the 1980s interview era was. Um, and well, it predates I mean, that too, but Gene especially.
3: When I did interviews and when Gene did interviews back then, the only thing we had prior to the, taping the interview, we knew the the date, the town, and what the match was. You know, where I would open it up, you know, and, and, and hit those things, and then we just winged it. I mean, there You know, there would always be an agent, and sometimes it it didn't go as well, and we might redo it, but it was never rehearsed. Um, Yeah, It was always just off the the top. Sometimes, you know, I would always say, do you have anything special? And they might say, you know what, ask me about this, or, you know, I want to hit this or that but we just winged it 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 just how how know, often
1: did you redo it
3: um very seldom like one out um, of one out five. of 50
1: or one out of 10
3: um boy i, I would say maybe overall uh <clears throat> maybe one out of you know 15 to to 20 and a lot of times <clears throat> Gene or myself would make the call in that we would get done with the interview and I would think, you know, we can do better or, you know, I can do a better job of bringing out the, the intensity or it, it wasn't like uh, the the agent there saying, you got to redo that. A lot of times we would do one and I would look at the talent if, if I didn't feel If I didn't think we sold a lot of tickets in that interview, uh, or or develop whatever we were trying to, I would look at the talent and say, you know what, you want to do that one again? And then, you know, usually they would say, yeah. You know, Um, so like I say, you know, somewhere between one out of fifteen or twenty. I mean, it, it, it was redoing an interview was far more the exception rather than the rule.
1: Well, uh, Ken, you have followed uh, the script that I gave you for this podcast very well. Um, it is only <laughs> it is only our third take, the first two hours uh, I wasn't happy with, but I, I really appreciate you sticking with me here on the third hour and following the script precisely. I think it made for a better podcast.
3: You are so bad.
1: <laughs> Ken, uh, great catching up with you. Thank you so much. I just thoroughly enjoyed uh, this, and I'm sure the listeners will, too, getting a better idea of who Gene was and... In, in, in such, what I wanted to emphasize and do, because there's just such an, as I said at the top, so many people remember him from a time when I don't think he was at his peak. Um, he was, people have an affection for him and fond memories and all that, but he was so, it's like Bobby Heenan in the AWA, he was so good in the AWA, and, and you, as, as a person who had to step into his shoes, were, were great at conveying um, what made Gene unique in the position that he was in.
3: Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it, it's like I say, in terms of Talent, You know, behind the mic, I don't think whatever direction wrestling ends up going, to me, in terms of people I work with more as an announcer type, not talking about wrestlers, I don't think there will ever be another Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan, or Gene Oakland. I just don't think there ever will be.
1: Yeah yeah well put Ken uh, thank you so much uh, I, I expect we will uh, uh, talk again and uh, hopefully it's under uh, positive circumstances heck this was positive remembering somebody <laughs> who lived it well into his 70s and lived a rich life and did something he loved um, this was a positive thing to uh, to, to give uh, time and attention to that
3: Oh, wait it was my pleasure my friend anytime thanks Ken
1: Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post-shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members, plus tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post-pay-per-view roundtables dating back to late 2004. Also, access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter that started it all, add free access to our website and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign-up form. It's mobile-friendly, desktop-friendly. In two minutes, you can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. If you shop at Amazon, I have a request. When you shop at Amazon, don't go to amazon.com. That sounds weird. How are you going to shop at Amazon if you don't go there? Well, don't go directly there. Start at pwtorch.com slash Amazon. That's pwtorch.com slash Amazon. When you go there, there's a giant Amazon logo. Click on it. It takes you right to the Amazon homepage where you were heading anyways. But that small detour tells Amazon, we sent you there. And when they get that message, they send us a commission on everything that you buy. So it's a great way to support us without having to do anything different other than when you shop at Amazon. Start at pwtorch.com Amazon. That's pwtorch.com Amazon. Thank you so much for your support.